Hello, everyone. This is Jonathan Lee, founder and creator of Bridging Legacies Across Campuses. I am happy to have another podcast with you with another awesome uh, individual. Um, Carrie York, how are you doing, man? Welcome. I am doing well down here in Dallas, enjoying the uh, cold weather. Oh, nice, nice, man. Well, it's good to be able to connect with you and link up. I'm out here in Seattle, Washington. Um, so temperature's a little bit different. Um, but again, our world just the same. I just want to appreciate you for coming on this podcast, man. Kari, tell us who you are, man. What do you do right now in your profession? Um, tell us about your family, just who you are as a person, man. Certainly, certainly, man. Uh, well, now, I don't think I probably would have said this three years ago, but now I'm, I'm a father first. I have an 18-month-old son uh, named August. He was born during a pandemic. Um, and, you know, for me, we we decided to have him, obviously, before the pandemic. And we had all these plans to have family members to come down and, and help out because uh, my wife nor my spouse is from the Dallas area. And then all of a sudden, the pandemic hit. And um, luckily for us, growing up as a son of a single mother in Chicago, I kind of knew how to, you know, just kind of handle myself in general um, growing up in that type of environment in Chicago. So um, when COVID hit, you know, it was just, hey, it, it was me and the, and the lady and uh, just raising our son the best we can. Um, so before anything, I'm a father uh, after that. Um, I'm a loving husband, um, you know, so I like to think. You know, I just try to uh, make sure I cater to her needs and whatever it is that, you know, um, she needs. She works from home. And a lot of people don't know this about me. Uh, actually, I don't even know if I told you, um, but after I actually was laid off from uh, Enterprise during the pandemic, I was actually a stay-at-home father, man. Um, oh, man. Blessings to you, man. Blessings. Family first is everything I, I keep hearing from you. Family first. Exactly, man. And um you know, it wasn't my first choice, um, but when I started looking at opportunities and interviewing, everything that people were hiring for was, of course, traveling positions during the pandemic. And again, because we don't have family down here, you know, I just didn't want to put them at risk because having a newborn. And then um, Shelby did. She did have a, uh, a C-section. So for her first three or five months, you know, she was down anyway. So I just wanted to make sure I was around um, for that. Um, but now, man, I, uh, I, I do a number of things. Um, I'm in fraud investigations for Toyota Co Corporate here in Plano. And then I'm also adjunct professor at uh, UNT Dallas. So uh, those are kind of my, my main two things um, that I do, but uh, that's kind of me in a nutshell. Oh uh, man, thank you so much, man. I'm on here with you and I can definitely say, I know about those pandemic babies. Not only do I have my five-year-old son, Grayson, I've got my two-year-old Vivian. So we were getting that, that three-month checkup right as that pandemic hit. We were doing that checkup, man. So I know what it was like to not be able to be uh, kind of around in the hospital because they just can't take more than the two adults. They're just the one. Right. Uh, and then we just made the childbirth right before the pandemic hit where I was able to be in the delivery room uh, oh. before this storm hit. So I, I know um, there are many people out there that those mothers were kind of in there by themselves in the trenches during that mm -hmm. pandemic moment because dads just couldn't be in the room. So um, mm -hmm. it's a blessing, man, that happens. So. This is awesome, man. Again, to talk about family and the generation that you're establishing with your little one, um, it's so amazing with August, man. Um, so talk to me, man. Talk to me about your education. Uh, you mentioned Chicago. Um, yes, I know where you went to college, but talk to me about that transition of, and where you went to college versus the dynamic of your city where you grew up at. Talk to me about that experience. Yeah, yeah, definitely, man. Um, you know, it, it, was, it, it was different, but it was not. Um, even though I was, again, raised by a single mother, 
of course, uh, because my father wasn't around, it was certainly a village that was around me. So I had a number of aunties and uncles you know, that certainly looked out for me when my mom went to work. I spent a number of summers in the suburban areas of Chicago with a cousin that's around six months older than I am. They, they try to do our best to, to raise us as brothers. But of course, again, I was just really only out there during the summer times and then sometimes during holiday breaks. But uh, my cousin, um, his father uh, went to law school and my aunt was an entrepreneur, um, owned a number of uh, hair salons in suburban Chicago. And again, because this was the 80s um, in suburban Chicago, whenever I was go out there during the summertime, I would see white people, you know. So by the time I, I made it to high school, um, which was a private high school, Gordon Tech on the north side of the city, it was not a big deal for me to be around white people. Right. Um, so really, pretty much from wow, first grade through eighth grade, every summer I was in Bolingbroke or Warbridge uh, with my family around white people. So for me, it wasn't a big deal. When I got to high school, I went to all male high school, um, private school, and there were a number of people that were from the same area I grew up in on the west west side of Chicago that never had really encountered white people unless they may have went to the doctor or maybe someone was working on their parents' uh, vehicle. But outside of that, they didn't really have much interaction with white people. So for me, you know, it, it was fine. It was just another day for me. Um, I, it was a long road, literally, to get to school. I lived on the west side. Um, my school was on the north side. So it was about an hour and a half trek each way on um, public transportation. So I probably started my day, you know, and this is high school. I probably started my day around 4.30 so I can make it. Yeah, yeah, so I can make it. By that 5.15, 5.30 bus, make to school by 7, you know, class to start, 7.15, 7.20. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I did this for essentially my first three years. And, of course, my senior year when I started uh, driving, uh, my brother would allow me to uh, use his uh, car every now and then um, to drive to school. Then, of course, uh, you know, to drive home. Wow. So that's, yeah, that's a journey, man. And so how did you matriculate to uh, to your college? Talking about your your high school experience to your college experience and ending up where you did, man. Yeah, actually, man, it's so funny because I even go back to eighth grade. I got lucky, man. I was a really good student in eighth grade. They asked me, I wasn't necessarily the um, the valedictorian, but they asked me to do the welcome address for my eighth grade graduation. Um, Sister Joanna, a white woman, older woman, she saw something in me said, hey, I want to, you know, encourage you and your mom to consider her putting you in this enrichment program. It's called uh, Link Unlimited, I believe now it's called Link Scholars. So essentially, that's how I got to Gordon Tech. Um, they give you a mentor. You meet the mentor going into your first year of high school. And of course, um, my mentors happen to be uh, white Jewish people on the north side of the city who I still literally have a relationship with to this day. But being exposed uh, to them, being at Gordon Tech, you know, I, I knew the only thing for me to do was to go to college. So right. we had a number of board members on Link Unlimited at the time. One of the alums happened to be an alum of Union. So every summer they would try to get us to go visit a number of different colleges. Union was one of the schools I went to go visit. Had a great time, did a, did a good interview. And of course, you, you know how those institutions do it. I happened to go there, uh, I want to say maybe end of October. Of course, it was homecoming, so it was a number of uh, extra minorities on campus, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, so, uh, yeah. <laughs> yep. So, uh, yeah, I applied there, applied to Michigan, applied to Hampton. Um, once you go to Hampton, um, 
but they didn't give me any funding. So I ended up going uh, to union. Ended up being a great choice. So that, that's kind of, you know, how I got to union. That's great. And for those who don't know, can you tell us where union uh, college is? Yeah. So I normally tell people it's Albany, New York, because that just makes it easier and less of a uh, conversation. <laughs> but to be specific, yeah. it, it's in a small town about 20 minutes uh, outside of Albany called Schenectady, New York. And if anybody's ever heard of Pat O'Reilly, that's his hometown. So that's normally how I like to explain it to people. And of course, uh, it's also near, it's about 40 minutes, 45 minutes south of Saratoga Springs, which obviously is well known for Sea Biscuit and a number of other horses to come out to that uh, racetrack. Perfect. So you, you're well versed in people to paint the people where you are on the map, which is great. I remember talking to your, your buddy, Bernard Carey. I'm about that and being like, it's just Canada, right? And he would just look at me and laugh and say, pretty much. <laughs> right. <laughs> I appreciate that snapshot. So you kind of hinted mm -hmm. to my second question a little bit with your, your ability and growth on what you did. But talk to me about at what moment in your life do your educational track, did you realize you were Black? Did you realize, like, hey, I'm a Black kid from Chicago, man. We're like, Or I'm in this dynamic. I'm in this situation. When did your Blackness first hit you? Really, man, it was... I, I want to say I was probably around, I think, ninth or 10th grade. Um, and of course, again, I grew up on the west side of Chicago. So, of course, you know, you, you think you know you're black and all these different things. But I remember uh, my cousin at the time, he had an event at his school. He went to uh, Wabonzi Valley High School, which I believe um, is in the Aurora, right outside, about 30 minutes outside of Chicago. So they have an event. Um, my cousin and I show up. Um, my cousin had some attire on that I didn't really, you know, think anything of, you know, we're the same age. Um, after the event, my uncle, his father picked us up. He saw my cousin's attire. And the first thing out of his mouth was, and again, this is my uncle. First thing out of his mouth was, damn, son, why you got to be so black all the time and around these white people? Wow. That's just literally what he said. And I was, just, I was taken aback because I didn't really know what the comment meant, but it was just kind of like, man, like, what exactly does he mean by that? Um, where is it coming from? Now, again, he, my, my uncle, he went to U of I uh, law school um, during the mid-70s. So he, you're talking about someone that's seen it all. He played minor league baseball. So he knows the do's and don'ts of being around white people. And yep, I, I tell yep. you, a lot of white, a lot of, you know, older African-Americans his age and older, you know, they, they just want to make sure you do what you can to keep the eye off you, so to speak, from white people. You know, it's, it's one thing to do a good job and then congratulate you. It's another thing for them to be looking at you because, you know, they think you, you know, some type of clown or you looking foolish or something along those lines. So that was probably the first time, man. And it, like I said, it, it came from my uncle. Um, and then I just, I, I still, you know, I'm not sure if he knew what we thought he met at that time, but that was that was probably the, the really the first time. That's so deep, man. Again, you have these moments where either code switching or being corporate or having your blackness kind of with dreads or the beard or whatever have you, the hoodies. That that moment, he summed it all up to you guys at such a young age. And again, yeah. to know what that means later as an adult for profiling and all those things of uh, putting on airs as you learn about and whatnot and switch in the conversation you have with you and I when we we're teenagers versus the conversation you have with your white classmates with an earshot. Uh, and that's tough, man. That's tough to, to give you that moment. Um, my it, other it favorite question. Is. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Kyrie. No, I'd say it, it certainly is because um, 
the high school I went to, again, it's private high schools, all male. So, you know, it was uniforms and things of that nature. So I remember certain days when we would have dress downs. I, re- I recall, you know, seeing guys that look like you and I wear a certain apparel. And I, I literally would see teachers, you know, send them down to classrooms, you know, just because some of the attire that they were wearing. Whereas, you know, the other kids come to school, the white kid, you know, they might just have like on a polo shirt and a button down shirt. And, you know, that's just, you know, that's just status quo for them. But for us, you know, in our culture, we like to wear T-shirts and, you know, figures and things of that nature. And, yeah, I just, you know, it's interesting now to think back now to high school, some of the things, you know, that, uh, you know, that, that we go through in life that you don't think of at the time. But now you're kind of like, wow, I see. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you're so right, man. You're so right. And I hope our listeners can kind of, uh, feel that moment and kind of reflect back on that because that's kind of what the purpose of this podcast is for. And so going back and thinking even deeper to that moment, knowing what you know as a black man, um, having been around and with all your different professions and skill set, and now being a, a, a father, what would you go back and tell your younger self, either at the college age going in or going into the um, high school age? What would you tell your younger self as a black man, knowing what you know now? Uh, I would probably tell myself going into college is to um, keep an open mind, um, make sure that I prepare myself um, for the worst, so to speak. And, and not that I didn't have a good college experience, but my mom lost her job my sophomore high school. That that really impacted me a lot. Um, and there's certain things that, you know, you try to block out your mind. But of course, now that I'm older, I realized that it really literally impacted my mental because my, my mom wasn't right. So if my mom wasn't right, um, I wasn't right. And I'm actually a single mom. My, my siblings are, are from my father's side and they're they're older. So when I say literally I'm an only child, even though I talk about my siblings a lot, I'm literally a, an only child or whatnot. I'm my mom's right. only child. We owe it out my father. So I would tell myself to remain strong, stay in my studies um, and, and not let um, and I don't want to call it outside noise, but I was in upstate New York. My mom was in Chicago. Um, I had to do be better at managing my emotions and car, car, uh, putting things in certain boxes to make yep. sure that, you know, I don't get distracted along the way. Because, of course, uh, my sophomore year, I mean, I had a little hiccup uh, with that. Um, things obviously, you know, end up working out. I graduated and whatnot, but I decided, you know, for the best of me, I should probably go to summer school, uh, the summer going into my junior year, but it worked out. <laughs> yeah, it, it did. Hey, I, I can say myself too, as a testimony, I had way too much friend my freshman year and ended up having to go to summer school with one of my buddies to make up some credits. So again, mm-hmm. I hear you, man, that summer school option is great when you get there mm-hmm. and enjoy all the frills and opportunities that these universities and colleges provide, no matter how north they are, how rural they might be in Williamsburg. So I, I hear you 110%, man. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Well, I, say just, I just say thank you, Kyrie. And it, it's important as we link up with my connection to you with Bernard Carey, who's a graduate, and my brother from another mother through Episcopal High School, and just our connection together, and him being one of your classmates. I just say thank you, because to be able to hear your voice, to share this connection on all the different walks of life that you have, there's a common thread that I hear on these calls as we get to these institutions for high school and for college, is that there's normally a white person that sees some promise in us as a diverse student, and they make a recommendation to us educationally. 
I mean, right. it, it, the irony of that is that like you're standing there, you're doing something, you're in limbo, you're trying to make a decision, and there's a white person that has a good heart that's an ally that says, hey, there's this opportunity on the other side of the fence, on the other side of the neighborhood, across the tracks. Your family should look into it. And then the rest is history. And it's amazing that that happens, man. Exactly. You know, I learned a lot from my mentors and obviously my, my time in college being at Union. But one thing I learned about is definitely building that network capital. Um, because when I went to, to New York, I knew of one other person. You know, he was an upperclassman. Um, he was in the, the same program I was in in high school, but he was an upperclassman. I was a freshman, so I wanted to, you know, make sure I didn't overstep any bounds. But I also made sure that, hey, you know, I just let him know, like, hey, I'm on campus. You think it's okay if I have any questions about anything? you know, to reach out to you. And he was like, yeah, of course, man. Anybody from Chicago, same program as me, man, you know, I'll look out for you. And that's literally what he did. And he would literally, he would take me around anytime. He he was an engineer major, but anytime he had any type of reception going on, um, he would invite me to come out, meet different professors, meet other alums. Anytime he had anything going on where he would be doing uh, speaking engagements or any type of conferences, he would actually always extend an invitation and I remember one time he uh, even, I don't know if you, you're familiar with uh, NSBE, National Society of Black Engineers, but they had a, uh, they had a conference. Like I said, he, he was an upperclassman. They had a conference in Boston, and I wasn't a part of the club. I was just a freshman, but he happened to reach out to the advisor and say, hey, I would love to bring Kyrie along. You know, what can be done? I know he's not in the club. He was, the professor was like, look, of course, man, if you're mentoring this guy, you know, I'll get everything squared away. And they literally, I went to Boston for a weekend for this conference, and that's, you know, for me, things like that is always inspire me to make sure that I always try to give back, you know, to young people. Um, oh, yes. Yes. A lot of people believe that, you know, just mentoring and helping people out is about money. It's not always about money. It's literally the conversations that you have with people. It's about inspiring them to want to, you know, do something different. What, what's the line that we like to say? Um, exposure, breeze, expansion or something along those lines. Right, um, right. Always try to do with young people. Just try to expose them to something different. Uh, Kyrie, thank you so much for dropping that knowledge about that mentorship and that network. And again, I segue to exactly what I'm trying to do, man. With my LLC, Bridging Legacies Across Campuses, my goal is to create that diverse brown network. That there's a moment where if you look up for diverse people, we don't really have the network that the good old boy network is for other people that aren't diverse. It's not as blatant for us to be able to walk into a place and say, hey, your dad did this job and you're right in the sector. You should be able to do the same job where that right. relationship with your dad's not established and your dad wasn't that corporate person. There's a moment where you are already behind in that process of having that established network. And so mm-hmm. literally with this LLC that I'm working on, my nonprofit, my goal is to link you and I together through Bernard Carey. And then you have kids. I have kids being able to build something for the next generation, because I believe that we should have latent diverse networks of support. That as you look up and you say, hey, I was unemployed, I was doing this, that, and the other, but I learned to double down and get my degree in this, and I did this educationally. And then being able to say, hey, young fellow, let me see your resume. Let me help you with a cover letter. Let me talk to you about your interview strategy, right? Because again, mm-hmm. someone along the lines of your engineering buddy, he pulled you along with him. So who are we to be selfish and not to pay that forward like it was for us? And that's literally the goal of my LLC, man. I just say thank you for what I know you're going to do for me in conversation. Because, um, again, I believe that the world is based on conversation-based relationships. It's about who you know and how you know them. That's it, man. Um, 
that's all it's about, right? Because um, we can go to all these number of schools, but I know people um, from Union. I know people from Stanford. I know people from U of Chicago that their struggle to obtain employment over the past two years has been just as hard as for people without degrees. So it's kind of like, hey, yeah, you went to this great institution, but you know, do you have access to the alumni center? If you don't, why not? If you do, who are you talking with? Who are you not talking with? That you know, it's, it's taking you almost two years to find employment. So either either there's a disconnect on our end, or there's a disconnect on the institution's end. And you know, to your point, I think you're doing an amazing job trying to build something different that is not necessarily there. Because I can you know go on uh, unions uh, career network. I can go on TCU. Uh, network. I just finished my master's there uh, in, in May. Uh, with, congratulations. Uh, Congratulations to you. But um, I can go on any one of their career centers. And yeah, I can look for jobs, but necessarily I don't know who I'm talking to. And again, I'm different I, because, again, I've been learning how to network with people, you know, since I, I was in high school. Right. So it's not a big deal for me. But for some folks that don't have my personality, I'm a, little, you know, a bit nervous. They might be just afraid in general to ask for help. You know, I believe this is a great start because when you look at these alumni centers, you don't know who's black, who's white. You know, you might see the names and think, you know, someone is black or white. But, you know, you know how our people are, man. We, you know, we're very prideful. Um, sometimes, you know, we let our ego get the best of us. And sometimes instead of doubling down, just asking for help. So I think this would be a great, um, and no pun intended, a great bridge for minorities to help other minorities kind of in similar situations. Thank you so much, man. That's, that's what it's about. I've got your bio in queue, man. You're getting ready to send it out next week, and I'll send this uh, podcast out with it afterwards. But again, awesome. when I put out Black Success from Union, that's what it's about. It's about showing Union, hey, you exist. Your your board material, your board of trustee material, your chairman of the your chairman of the board material for union and your high school in a way to get the next brown child there. That no matter exactly. what happens in these networks and ups and downs, micro macro aggressions, these universities, colleges, and independent schools, they, and and schools in general need to recognize that there are a group of brown people that are very affluent, that are very successful, but we're waiting to see the moment where these schools appreciate us and respect us before we give our money back. Because again, I asked that question. I talked to everyone about it. How odd is it that when you, if you are a brown person on financial aid for undergrad or for your private school, and all of a sudden, the second you go from private school to college, you get this envelope asking you to donate money back to your school. Right. The second you get out of college, you get this envelope saying donate money back to your college. But again, mm -hmm. how have my circumstances changed in three to four years, but yet you don't call to check on me during the pandemic? You don't right. call to talk to me about when I had a baby or when I got married. But that right. alumni magazine comes out. And again, if you're, if you're listening, go to any college or high school alumni magazine and look at that magazine back and see the births, the deaths, the marriages, the, the whatever, the celebrations. It is not proportionally reflective of the diverse people that went to those schools. Correct. It certainly is not. And I truly believe um, you're off to a great start. Um, but I think the main thing is too when we talk about again whether it's you know obviously you know a number of colleges want to donate uh, they want to give back but union and we just reached a, a milestone marker 
for um, alumni um, giving uh, a couple of weeks ago. And we now have, uh, well, not now, but about two years ago, we brought in our, our first black president, um, President David Harris. And, you know, he's doing a wonderful job. But for me, being on the alumni council, when I speak to alums of color or Latinx that are not necessarily connected to union, they don't even know we have a black president. Right. That's huge. That's huge. Yeah, it's huge because you talk about, you know, again, giving back, you know, if, if I'm not connected to my, my college, then no, I'm not going to give back. Right. If, if I do come back to my college, if there's no events going on, that's going to, you know, make me feel like, um, you know, this was planned around some of my interests or just, you know, a variety of cultures on campus, then, you know, why do I need to come back at, at any point outside of just, you know, coming out and just seeing, you know, old classmates and maybe some old professors? You know, so I think a, a number of colleges need to just kind of take a look at some some things and figure out, hey, you know, what can we do? Yeah, of course, we want to be inclusive, but sometimes we have to, you know, change our perspective a little bit to uh, get a little bit more uh, participation. Well, perfect. Kari, you've, you've hit so many nails in the head, and I just like, say again, that when this pandemic leaves us, I'm excited to be able to welcome you and your family out to Seattle and then also get to Dallas to go down there and see you as well. But I awesome. just say that listening to your voice and listening to your energy, you're destined to do great things. Um, having been on this road of fatherhood just a couple years ahead of you, I know you're going to have some great memories and lessons learned and some great moments. And I just pray your strength with you and your wife and your family, your extended family, and just know that you always have as an ally, as a friend, as a brother to reach out to. And I just say thank you for picking up the phone um, on behalf of Bernard Carey, my, my best friend. Thank you for continuing to be there as a person um, to talk to, man. I really appreciate it. Of course, man. You know, happy to help anything you need from me moving on forward with this uh, you know, project. And it um, seems like it's going to be something long term for you. Anything I can do, let me know, man. I'm connected to, obviously, Union. I'm connected to institutions down here in Dallas. And um, yeah, man, I, I want to see you succeed. So yeah, looking forward to the future for you.